Welcome to the Connect Community Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. We're so glad to have you with us today. If you're ever in our area, come see us in person. We hope today's message inspires you and helps you live better. All right, how to belong. Uh, like I said, we're starting this series today, and uh, I want to title today's message, if you're taking notes or reading on the app, The Master's Secret. The Master's Secret. Um, when you think about success, what do you think about? What does success look like in your life, in your reality? In your context. See, when we think about purpose and the things that give us meaning, often we think about things like achievement, relationships, status. We think about stability, right? We think about achievement because we want to accomplish. We want our lives to be engaged in something that is meaningful. We want something great attached to our names. Of course we do. We want to be a part of something powerful, something effective. When we think about relationships, it's because we want to win with others. We want to win with people. We want to win with friendships. We want to win at home. Family life. We want to win. Everybody wants to win. We want someone to love, someone to be with, someone to belong to. We do think of status, which can get a bad rap sometimes, but... If you have a healthy view of status, we want it because we do want to be perceived as good. We want people around us to see us as good. And we want to be effective. We want our lives to show it. We want to do well financially. We want to have significance to what we do. And we also want stability across those areas. We don't want, we, we don't want those things to manifest them. Uh, themselves well, be successful uh, today, and then be down and out tomorrow. We want security for us. We want security for our loved ones, for our family, for our parents, for our siblings. We want it to be. We want it to be really hard to lose what we have accomplished and what we have built. We want it to be constant. So for most of us. If we score high in any of those, way, in those areas, we say that's success. We, we're leading a successful life. But why? Why would, be, would that be success? What, what ultimately determines success? Let's, let's go a little bit deeper. Let's dig a little bit further. I think that ultimately success is determined by how well we have a sense of belonging. In, that, in the thing that we engage in, whether it be business, uh, pr- purpose in life, our relationships, our status. It doesn't matter what personality you have. You could be an introvert, an extrovert. You could be a dreamer. You could be an executor, maybe a visionary or a manager. However your personality manifests itself, you want these things You want to be successful in these areas because you want to belong. You want to win in relationships because you want to love someone. Why do you want to love someone? Because you want to belong to them. And you want them to belong to you. You want to have kids because you want a family. That's belonging. What ultimately drives your career, 
or the product that you have in mind or the idea or the dream that you strive to achieve is belonging because you want it to be a part of this world. You want it to solve a problem. You want it to, to have a significant part in this world. If you're an artist, for example, as much as you might love your art, you don't want to keep it to yourself. You want to give it to others. Even, even if you're at the beginning stages and you're a little bit embarrassed, right? And you might keep those drawings in your basement for now. Your goal is that eventually you'll get good enough so that the world may be able to benefit from it. Why? Because you want people to connect with your art. You want people to connect with what you have, been, what, what you have produced. That's belonging. In the same way, you could be a scientist, an accountant, a teacher, a business leader, a driver, a housekeeper. And whatever you do, whatever you have studied, whatever you, you are applying yourself to, that part of you exists so that you can be a part of the whole society. You want to be a significant part of the whole you want to bring your talents to the table, your abilities, so that it can be a part of the whole. We want belonging. We all want that. So we all have people that we admire, people we look up to. And some of those people might be famous. They might be people that you don't really have a relationship with them, but you look up to them. People who are successful in the marketplace. People who you'd like to emulate. You've heard of their story. You've heard of how they reached what they have reached. And you think, man, I really would like to be like that person. And many times when we set up these role models in our minds and in our hearts. People that we want to be like. We fall into the fatal error that runs deep in our culture. See, we live in a culture of fandom. We live in a culture where we elevate people. We elevate people because it's a personality. It's a culture that reveres personalities and measure their success by what they get. We often measure people's success by what they get, not by what they give. And when we mold our mindset to a culture of fandom and we think that success is about what we get, and not about what we give. We will, be, we, will, we will believe that belonging is about getting. That belonging is about your ability to get from others. And also alongside that, we'll think that it is up to others whether we get to belong or not. See, I believe we need to stop. We need to turn it around and, and stop measuring people and people's success by what they can get from us. You can say, wow, that guy is successful. And I'll say, yeah, he is. But why would you say he's successful? And you can say, wow, he has 100 million followers on TikTok. He's really successful. He, he, on Instagram, he has so much popularity. Okay, but what does he actually give people? What does he actually provide? Is that person generous? Is he kind? Does he produce content that makes you and your family better? In other words, what flows out of that person? I think that those are the measures of success that are much more important for us to look after. 
We need to understand that fame is not success. Dictators are famous. Terrorists are famous. famous. Criminals are, fam are famous. And there are a lot of knuckleheads that are famous. I don't mean to offend anybody, but we do have a lot of airheads that are famous for no reason whatsoever. You can think of a few names. And so we cannot conflate fame with success. If we believe that the highest pursuit in life is about getting, it will change the way we see the world and even it will change our personal pursuit. Because with that mindset, success, purpose, belonging, is about getting. It means to get something from people. So you might spend all your energy trying to get achievement, get money, trying to get respect, get resources, get stability, and get the relationships that you want. Now that's backwards. We need to understand that there's no successful belonging without generosity. There's no belonging without giving. And you can say, but JD, what do I have to give? Much easier to look for things that I don't have so that I can try to get them. That's what we are trained to do. Look at what you don't have and go and get them. Backwards. Here's something that we can all give. Every single one of us, and this is an equalizer that we learn from the scriptures and we learn from Jesus. Every one of us can serve. We can all serve. We can all serve others. You toward the end of his ministry, Jesus gathered his disciples for dinner. It's what we know as the Last Supper. It was a time of intimacy, of friendship, of ministry between him and his closest friends. This was not a quick grab-and-go sandwich shop that they stopped by. This was an event. This was planned. It was prepared. It was a significant moment in Jesus' ministry, and, and he wanted to have a time with his apprentices. It was a special moment that he set up. And in that moment, when Jesus was at the highest point of his ministry, remember, they ushered him into Jerusalem and called him, Hosanna, Hosanna, to the son of David, basically hailing him as king of the Jews. Jesus decided to do something in that moment when he was at the highest point, the highest popularity, the highest place in his ministry that shocked every single one of his disciples. We go to the scripture, chapter 13 of the book of John, verse 1 through 5. It says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, he rose from supper, he laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. And look at what he started doing. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet to, and to wipe him with the towel that was wrapped around him. This is an incredible scene, isn't it? Now, this is John writing. The disciple that called himself the one whom Jesus loved. He was a close friend. 
a close friend to Jesus. He was with him. But John is writing this after the fact, right? He's writing this after Jesus' crucifixion, after the burial, after the resurrection, after the day of Pentecost, after the coming of the Holy Spirit, when the churches are already growing. He is writing this to those who now see Jesus glorified. And he's saying, this Jesus, my friend, who was my Lord, who was my Savior, who is my Lord and my Savior. Ladies and gentlemen, I was there. And I saw it. And I was present. It was a sight to behold. He was at the height of his ministry. The Father had given all things into his hand. He could do anything. He could have done whatever he wanted. He could have set himself as an emperor. We, we would have all fought alongside him and started a war on his behalf. He had our hearts, he had our minds, he had our commitment. He could have done whatever he wanted. He could have told us whatever he wanted, and we would have believed it. He was at the pinnacle of his ministry. And what did he do? Let me tell you what he did. He got up at dinner, and he took a bucket of water, a basin of water with him, and he tied a towel around his, his waist. And he started to do the work of a slave. You know the work that we, have, we get servants to do? People to do the lowly work. That's what he did for me. That's what he did for all his friends. He started going around the table and washing everybody's feet. He washed my feet. My Savior, my Lord, the one that we worship now, the one who resurrected, who conquered death, he washed my feet. The one who raised Lazarus from the dead, the one who healed the blind, he washed my feet. I want us to open our eyes here today to this fundamental truth about life, about success, and about belonging. And here's... Two things that we need to know. First is that we can only give of what we have. We can only give of what we have. Whether it be material or, 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 or immaterial things. I cannot give away your money. I can't give away your stuff. The government is only the, the one that can do that. <laughs> I just had to slide that one in there. I can't give away your stuff. In the same way, I can't give away your joy. I can't give away your freedom. I can't give away your things. You can only give of what you have. And you can only serve of who you are. You serve out of who you are. See, we need to stop measuring people's success by what they get from you. By what they get from everyone else by what they receive from others and start measuring success and belonging by what we give. Because that's measurable. That is measurable. I've been in many conversations with people who felt disconnected, disconnected from their families, disconnected from work, just disconnected, just a sense of disconnected and being disconnected and, and not belonging. And the question is always, well, how are you participating? How are you serving? How are you involved? And nine times out of ten, there are exceptions, but nine times out of ten is, oh, I'm not really 
I, because really waiting for people to come or waiting for people to reach out or waiting for people. And the problem with that is that it's that mindset of, oh, I'm not getting anything from people. Therefore, I feel disconnected. And this principle from Jesus changes our mindset to participate in life with others and in, in, in purpose in a way that we, we ought to understand that it's about serving. It's about giving. And that's what Jesus was teaching his disciples that night by washing their feet. Listen to what he said, verse 12 of the same chapter. When he had washed their feet and put on his other garments and resumed his place at the table, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If then I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. One thing to know. It's another thing to do. And the blessing comes by doing. What Jesus is saying is, listen, I'm your teacher. I am. It's not because I washed your feet that now, you know, the, the roles here have reversed. I am above you. I am greater than you. You're right. But look at what I chose to do. I chose to serve you. And if you do likewise, you'll be blessed. More than a conduct. And more than a principle, this thing that Jesus just shared is almost like a law in sociology. If you look and you study at, at things around you and you think about it, you will realize that it's true. Serving brings blessings in every sphere of life. Serving brings blessings. Think about every popular product today, especially in the age of technology. Think about Amazon.com, for example. Serving is at the center of it. Why is, why is Amazon ultimately so successful? We can talk about business model. We can talk about leadership. We can talk about logistics. We can talk about the strategy behind it. We can talk about so many things. But ultimately, the reason why they remain successful is because it serves people. It serves you. It serves a purpose. McDonald's serves people. Banks, financial institutions, they serve people. Uber serves people. Spotify, the, the music uh, company it serves people auto manufacturers they serve people youtube serves people do you know that the most popular videos on youtube are how-to videos it's basically a library a library for you to learn how to do things and i i've taken uh i've taken my share of courses <laughs> on youtube and there are a few broken things and fixed that uh I need to go back to those videos. <laughs> but it serves people. That's why they're successful. I'm not saying that those companies are perfect. I'm not even saying that they treat people right. I'm not saying that there are no things that need to be better. I'm not saying that they're godly. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that they serve people. And because they serve people, they're sol solving a problem for people. They're meeting a need. They're reaping the benefits of it. It's a universal truth. That Jesus is teaching us. 
apart from their faults and their problems. They, they have their place. They found their place in society. They belong in society because they serve people. And this principle, this principle doesn't really come natural to us, does it? It is not our natural instinct to just rip our jackets off, put a towel around our waist, and go around washing people's feet. Whether literally or figuratively. You got to listen to what happened that same night because... After Jesus washed their feet, after Jesus shared the lesson, Jesus began to tell him about how he was going to die. He was saying, hey, listen, I'm going to be delivered up to be killed. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. But it's God's plan. They had had communion already. They had already broken bread and had the wine. And Jesus had already explained what that meant. And he told them that he was going to be betrayed and killed. It was a fact. It was going to happen. And they believed him. Of course, he's a prophet. He knows what's going to happen. What do you think they did? Immediately after, Jesus shared with them that he was about to die. This is what they did. Luke writes in chapter 22, verse 24. A dispute arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. Oh, you're going to die? Who's going to take your place? Hmm. Who here, who, who's got the most miracles? Uh, John, step aside, buddy. You're too kind. Let's see here. Uh, who's who's going to take Jesus' place? They started to concoct this idea of, okay, somebody needs to rise. Who's the greatest amongst us? That's our nature. Our nature is to, is, is, it works against serving. We want to rise. We want to think, because we think that being part of something great means you have to be powerful. That to be significant is to be the top dog, right? So Jesus, Jesus gave him a strong answer. This is what Jesus said on the same night, verse 25 in Luke. The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. And those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as the one who serves. For who is the greater? The one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? It is not the one who reclines at the table. And the answer is, yes, Jesus, it is. But I am among you as the one who serves. In other words, he's saying, I again, I'm going to repeat myself. I am the, 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 the person here that you all honor. I'm at, I'm at the table. Like I'm reclining at the table, meaning that's how they used to, to come together around tables, right? They didn't have chairs. They would recline together. And there was a place of honor. There was the place that Jesus was. And he said, who's greater? person reclining at the table or the one who's serving the food yet i'm here serving you in other words he's saying i know you i know your nature i know what you want i know your instincts i know that that's what your heart wants your heart wants to go straight to what's important and it's powerful when how can you rise and how can you get promoted and how can you be seen as the leader? But, but where, where, where has that gotten you? 
Where has that gotten us? You can look around the world. There are power structures of authority. The Gentiles, they lord over people. In other words, the people without God, and they, they, all they want to be is benefactors. They want to be people in power. Everyone wants to be a benefactor. Everyone wants status. Everyone wants the world's version of success, but not so with you. I'm calling you to a higher kind of life. I'm calling you to love and belonging. I'm calling you to serve, to have a life of meaning. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to let go of that way of thinking, the world's way of thinking. I want you to let go of that model of success because it's not working. The system that you are wanting to belong to hurts people. The system that you admire so much is hurting you. I want you to I want you to understand and to write this down and to remember this after I'm gone and to, to have this in your heart. The higher you rise, the more you should serve. The higher you rise, the more you should serve. Who's greater? The servant or the guest of honor? Who's greater? The butler or the master of the house? Yes, I am here. I am here with you today, but I am here as the one who serves. And I can ask the same thing of you here today. Who's the greater in your life, in your company, around you? Could be that it's you. Could be that you're the supervisor, you're the manager, you're the person ahead in your division. It could be that you have people under you that you manage. Or it could be that you're the person with peers working beside you. Who's the greater, the leader or the team member? The boss or the employee? The father or the son? The mother or the daughter? The supervisor? The worker? The manager? The clerk? Who is the greater in your life? Whatever your position, Jesus is showing us that true belonging to truly make a difference, to truly change the world, we need to embrace serving because that's how he changed the world. That's how he changed the world. Yeah. So you want to belong? Serve. Serve. Serve others. Serve in your house. Serve in your home. Serve at work. Serve. Serve. And that's what we are about as a church. That's what our team is about. As a leader, I'm far from perfect. I have many flaws, but this is something that we have tried, my wife and I, to be an example in this area. So much so that in our team, if you're part of our team, you know, these, you know this, egos don't survive. Egos won't survive in our team. And I'm proud of our teams, proud of every person who, who serves this church because every person in this church who serves, serves with love and serves without ego. We serve to bless others. And 2023, i got to tell you, is going to be a special year for our church. I believe it. And I want to issue a challenge to every person, those, those of you watching online as well. It's time to come back in the room. <laughs> it's time to come back in the room. But for every person, if you call Connect Community home, 
You ought to be serving. You ought to be doing something. And there's a space for you. There's a place for you. Yes. Join a team. Serve the community. Serve with your presence. Serve with your finances. Serve with your talents. Serve. I don't care if you're here for another six months on a job contract or if you're here for the rest of your life. Serve. Connect. Let's link arms. What do you have to lose? If you're here for another year, for two years, for three years, what do you have to lose by connecting? Nothing. What do you have to gain? Lifelong friendships. People who will link arms with you and will bless you and will pray for you. People who will know you and, and, and bless you from their hearts. And I speak from personal experience. Every meaningful relationship that I have in my life, apart from my family, came from serving together. Some of you know this. I didn't grow up in this country. I'm the only one in my blood family to be here. Uh, my wife's family, uh, they live here. But I'm the only person here. But I don't feel lonely. I don't feel alone. I have a family. It's the family of God. I have friends, close friends. I have close friends from California to Florida. I have close friends in Switzerland. I have close friends. Why? Because we've served the, world, the Lord together in a season of our lives. And we rubbed shoulders with each other. And in that process, brotherhood was formed. Friendship was forged. And a friendship that is deeper than the friendship of the world. Because it's a friendship that connects in the way that Christ called us to live. A friendship that serves one another. When people join forces to serve God's people, something powerful happens. Because you're not just coming together for a common interest and you got something to gain. You're, you're coming together because you care about what God cares about. And, and you're putting your life in God's hand to say, God, I want, I want to be a blessing to my community. I want to bless those around me. I want to link arms and be part of what you're building in our community. And you connect at a much Deep, deeper level. All other friendships are peripheral. They're occasional. They have an interest uh, linking you to them. But those who serve uh, with the Lord, and I speak from my experience, those who have served with me alongside, they have become closest friends. So let me encourage you today to serve. And you might say, but I don't know anyone, JD. I've been coming and I will confess. I'm going to confess for you right now. You don't have to confess, okay? I will confess that I come in at 1035 and I jet the moment you say amen. I see you. I want to know you. Just want to know your name. It got awkward here now, huh? Yeah, I'm only half joking. I do want to know you. And I understand life is busy. You, get places, you got places to go, things to do. I just don't want you to miss this. Because you might feel disconnected. Of course you feel disconnected. We haven't served together. You're not doing anything meaningful together with anybody here. But you can. We can build God's house together. So I want to issue a challenge to you. I want you to pray. I want you to answer. And I want to, to cast vision. Because this month we're going to cast vision. I'm going to talk about where we're going. And starting next week. In 2023, there's a few things, three things specifically that I'm going to share with you each week. Um, and we're going to have a, a, a vision element to it as well. 
But I do want to challenge you to commit to serving next year in 2023. I know we're approaching the holidays and, you know, there are things, the plans that you have made. But starting January, if you call this church your home or you're plugging in right now, I want to encourage you and challenge you to commit to serving. And you can start, you can start now. You can fill in your application now. Okay? And say, I want to help build God's kingdom in 2023. I see what God is doing, and I want to be part of it. And together, we can bless children, we can bless families, we can bless people who are not even here. People who, that God has called us to serve and to bless in this community. You don't have to do a lot. A smile at the door when people walk in and say, hey, we're glad you're here. It, it, goes, it goes far for people who are brokenhearted coming into this place on a Sunday just looking for hope. There, there's much that we can do together. We're going to share opportunities uh, this month and going into January as well. But uh, we have applications at the, at the, in the front. Uh, you can do that online as well. I do want to encourage you to commit, place your heart to God and, uh, before the Lord and, and allow your life to be used for something powerful and meaningful. Um, yes. You want to know the, ma the master secret? Here's the master secret. Amidst a society that wanted to take, Jesus came as the most powerful person and chose to serve. There was a moment when Jesus was about to be betrayed. And David, you can come up and join me if you don't mind. There was a moment when uh, Jesus was about to be arrested. And Judas came and gave him a kiss, the kiss of death, right? And uh, John says that the moment Jesus said, they said, who is Jesus? Because the soldiers didn't know, right? And he said, it is I. And that moment, by the power of God, every, every soldier fell to the ground. That's what John writes. Um, I believe it's Mark, either Mark or Luke. They write that, that Peter took out a sword and went for it. He started fighting. He's like, we're not going to let you take him. We are here to fight. So he started, to, he attacked one of the soldiers. And scripture says that he cut one of the soldiers' ears off. Now, you know, Roman soldiers, they used to wear a helmet. So he went for the kill. And historians believe that the, the, the sword kind of slid on the helmet and sliced off a ear. Like a deli machine. And... <laughs> And it just, I'm sorry. <laughs> we were in a nice moment, weren't we? And, and Peter, <laughs> Peter was ready. He was ready. He was ready to fight. And Jesus said, what are you doing? Don't you know that if I wanted, I could call on angels right now and they could destroy every single one of these people here. I could do that. I have the power to do that. Throughout Jesus' entire ministry, he had the power to cause havoc. He had more power than anyone to cause destruction. But he didn't. He chose to serve. And that's how he changed the world. That's how he changed you. For those of you who have committed your life to Christ, that's why you're here today. For those of you who are on the fence, who are not sure, that's why you're here today. Because the message of Christ attracted you 
to this place in such a way that you're like, I have to, I have to connect to God in some sort of way. I have to connect to this, this, this message. And you might not understand all of it, but you know that Jesus' life had an effect because 2,000 years later, there are places like this all across the world that are meeting today to not only pay homage and worship, but to learn from the life of Christ. And so I encourage you to live like Him. Remember what He said. If you understand these things and you do them, you will be blessed. You want to be blessed today? Let's serve. Amen. Do you receive it this morning? Amen. Thank you for listening today. If you have a prayer request, a question about faith, or would like to find out more information, visit us at connectcommunity.org. Don't forget to subscribe and share. See you next time.